there are a lot of things that a designer should feel he or she is lucky because we get to work on multiple domains not many people get that opportunity in life we don't realize that what that means means you need to learn to unlearn and relearn which most of us don't do mm-hmm. we think our life is as good as tools some mastery on tools and but in today's day and age you know i know that every 6 months something changes mm-hmm. right you need to basically keep an empty mind yeah at least some empty space in your mind where you know that i need to unhook that's very difficult all of us have gone through that first principles again as designers i think we should have the humility to learn and unlearn because yeah, this i know it all doesn't help mm-hmm. frankly i'm no saint there was a, there was a point in time in my life where you know after the first 3 4 exits i mean you know you get a extra chip on your shoulder literally your horns start growing because you're a great designer you're a product designer people see what you build that's why your company gets bought and sold but i think you need to step back and think that you're only as good as your last project but the whole world is waiting for the next thing right mm-hmm. humility willingness to learn and the propensity to go and ask people humility doesn't mean i am humble and i won't even ask anything and the last important thing is if you don't know you don't know feel free to claim that you don't know be proud about the fact you don't know and also have the faith that there is somebody who knows right go and ask welcome to design drives your audio experience about what how and why design drives things forward a podcast hosted by Sebastian Gear together with forward thinking design practitioners from around the world. Hey everyone. So in this episode I had the opportunity to talk to UKP Udaya Kumar Patman Apnan, a civil entrepreneur and design leader from India, currently global strategic design director at Designit, a company from Wipro and also founder of UX First. We talk about the intersection of design entrepreneurship and how designers can drive impact in new ventures, building businesses and innovative products based on his learnings of building and selling companies for over 20 years it was super inspiring learning from his perspectives and i'm absolutely grateful for the opportunity so we sat together at ux india one of the leading and largest ux conferences in india where both of us did a separate workshop and talk and i really hope you enjoyed the episode enjoy i'm here with the ukp meaning udaya kumar padamana okay uh, that was that correctly or? okay so Yeah it's okay most of them don't get it right my actual name is Sudaya Kumar Padmanabhan uh-huh. uh, in short UKP because people struggle to call me by first name second name basis so i just made it a tla uh-huh. so most of most of the people that i know of know me as UKP so okay yeah right you make it easier for people <laughs> yes <laughs> so you are strategic design director at designit yes. which is you know super interesting you work with multiple studios and you're also ambassador for communities in India like UX first so uh, we're going to tap a little bit into this and you've been you know also working in entrepreneurship quite a bit you know founding startups so super interesting uh, but you know maybe it would be great for you know the audience so they give a little bit of get a little bit of context about maybe you can give a you know, a quick one to uh, your journey and uh, why yeah. you got into design in the first place and then we can dive uh, deeper into some of the topics. cool but first of all thanks for having me here wonderful initiative and mm-hmm. i'm super happy that yeah we'll do whatever we do and i hope this resonates with people and looking forward to many many more such podcasts mm-hmm. congratulations on a nice initiative so a little about me yeah i've been doing this for like 22 years this is all i do for a living why design interesting question so i have been pretty fortunate to have parents who supported all my whims and mm-hmm. fancies from a very young age mm-hmm. i had artistic inclination not design artistic Mm-hmm. I was a self-learned guy. I started sketching and painting and sculpture and pottery and you name it I've done it. As times progressed I started slowly freelancing way back 
when the term freelancing was not as prevalent in india as it is today creating posters creating banners doing stuff and earning pocket money if you will at that point in time i was like 16 17 at that time by then you know it had fortified in my mind that this is what i'm going to do for a living mm-hmm. if you can make a lot of money when you're 16 just imagine how much of money you could make when you graduate and all of that right so yeah but in terms of academics i did hardcore math stats and computer science mm. i was good at programming but i never wanted to spend the rest of my life being a engineer or a coder mm-hmm. so i think the natural inclination was get into design and yeah it has been a fantastic ride for the last 22 years started off with my days even the term ui was not as prevalent in india as how mm-hmm. it is now probably mm-hmm. i started off as a visual designer was into multimedia creative systems were not there right uh, yeah so also. so those days yeah you were doing bits and odds and ends but it was more about print and multimedia was big authorware macromedia authorware and director and used to you know do cd titles and all of that 3d 3d and all of that i started from very strong fundamentals and super happy to be still here and making a living out of it and i have seen a lot of startups mm-hmm. most of my employers got bought out or sold and a couple of mine i had great exit so can't complain mm-hmm. so that's been me in a nugget for the last 22 years mm-hmm. i know you you know founded uh, you know couple of startups and uh, had exits and so on. maybe you can you know give you know some some personal highlights on uh, okay. some of the 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 stations along your journey okay specifically with entrepreneurship is what you're saying yeah probably okay yeah. Mm-hmm. cool i think i think yeah we all we designers basically start off uh, because we're very passionate about creative things craft you know all of that but at some point in time i mean i started working for product companies big and small used to do freelancing i i was pretty much plugged to the design scene right and internet was probably crawling stages you, you know like very very maybe when i started at least back home in this part of the world in, uh, internet was very infantile so a lot of opportunities but a lot of you know information asymmetry you don't get information like how you get today right so i had to do a lot of uh, you know juggleries learn things but yeah i started working for big companies small companies got exposed to multiple facets of design across uh, the enterprise and all of that consumer space was slowly coming up so somewhere down the line most almost all of my companies that i've been associated with as an employee or even you know where i've consulted uh, unbelievably most of them almost all of them either got merged you know with a bigger firm or they got acquired so i think i was maybe i don't know maybe i was at the right place right time and so way down the line yeah you work across the globe you get you build friends your perspective changes and somewhere down the line in 2006 2005 2006 when i was when i had built a global ux operation from the ground up you know suddenly this thought bubble hit me like we've been part and parcel of amazing companies which exited yes we also had exits we also made money yeah, you know all that but i think the time now is right for probably you to do your own stuff and then it was a probable if not now then when and uh, me and a friend of mine actually went and figured out that yes let's take a let's take the deep dive and then uh, what do you build right and the classic thing too many ideas too many journals i have a big yeah, fat yeah. book with so many ideas and then while this was brewing up i got associated with you know another group of people whom that i worked with so we were we founded a company in the biodiesel space i was one of the founders it was a classic maybe in in retrospect it was a classic service design ecosystem problem that we solved way back in 2007 the hypothesis was biofuels are the way to go and there is a way in which you can actually have an entire ecosystem starting from the seed to the finished product to the marketplace we had significant traction so much so that even you know this was pitched uh, with the father of erp he showed interest so we gained a lot of traction and we built a fantastic platform and then we finally got acquired mm-hmm. right 
And then by then, the other thing was brewing up. And then we figured out that online banking in the world was not as safe and as secure as what people think. So my co-founder was a hardcore, you know, antivirus assembly. He was, he was basically the programmer, if you will. And the programmer. The programmer, yeah. I mean, very great pedigree, uh, intense knowledge about systems uh, from an architectural standpoint, from coding and all of that. He, he's, he's, he's the classic technology officer material, right? I was none of that. All I brought to the table of a lot of whys, a lot of why nots, and my, you know, my designing and skills. We were just a two, two people company. It, it so happened that whatever we figured out was patentable. So we went and filed for a patent. We actually built an entire bank as a demo. So the problem that we cracked was multi-factor authentication. Today, it's it's pretty much the norm. But back in the day, it was not. Right? We, so figured out, is, uh, we filed for a patent. So yeah, so you file for a patent, it takes a lot of time. Uh, like you know, So we filed for a patent and then we start building stuff and then we built the entire working stuff. And then we started hitting, you know, went on road trips, wanting to raise capital and wanting to sign up with banks. So then reality struck us, right? All along, we had a very safe, nice, cushy, happy ending. I mean, you're at a leadership level, your company gets acquired, you know, you invest your RSUs or shares and you make a lot of money. And But when you do your own thing, two things, three, four years into it, we figured out two things. One, you are in the banking financial space, okay? Highly regulatory, a lot of confirmances, a lot of rules and regulations, number one. And number two, you're just a two-people company. Yes, you're a legal entity. You have cracked a world problem. You have an amazing solution, which is almost, you know, on the way of becoming a patent. Nobody wants to deal. No big bank wants to deal with a two-people company, right? <laughs> that was a very profound eye-opener. Then we said, wow. But we had signed up with some of the... You you named the top financial transaction companies or technology companies. We had, we had signed up with these guys. But then long story short, same question. So we had the top three banks in the planet actually wanting to take a risk with us and said, they signed a letter of intent with us, said, come into a pilot, a paid pilot. By then, we had burned out our initial investments from, I mean, the money was, we, we never raised capital. We just put our own money in. Then, you know, things went down south. Who are you? How is it possible for two people in India to actually crack a banking problem? A lot of stuff. I mean, it, it is it is worth a book. Maybe one fine day I'll write a book about this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had given ourselves five, five, three to five years time. And then we said, we run out of money. Let's pull the wire. So we knew that if not for us, some fine day, the IP is going to make some money for family and kids and all of that. That was like investment. I took a breather. Then we went back to the industry, right? Okay, what do you do? I mean, you can't just sit and while away time, right? He found something. I found something. And, you know, our journeys began. And then somewhere in way back in 2010, 2011, apparently some other tech firm in a different space actually cracked something and wanted to go and file for a patent then when they, when they did a patent search our names popped up already because these guys have already filed it yeah. and it's like a movie uh, in the making uh, long story short they got in touch with us they figured out what we have done and happy ending we sold the entire ip that we had block stock barrel so probably we, my second startup was interesting to the extent that we actually gave it away for good mm-hmm. in terms of an exit yeah. without even having a customer so, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, intense learning. So multiple things. You never look at a space which is too big. No matter how great you are, sometimes situations, environments also matter, which generally people call luck. But you have to be mentally prepared. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and I think I think these experiences have made me. And then I over a period of time I learned what finance means, why numbers are very important. Because we designers run away from numbers and business metrics, right? All of those things matter. So 
and now i know a lot of designer so so it is harder for a designer to actually do a tech firm or a different firm most of the designers that i know of have very good friends in the industry who run their own design studios that's second nature to us it's like you don't need to teach a fish to swim right but you got to teach a fish to fly and that's that's what happens when you actually are a designer but you want to change the world problems but yeah can't complain interesting <laughs> so, so yeah, that's yeah. been my journey so mm-hmm. interesting a couple of questions come up here you know uh, how did you you know design background um, we talked you know, earlier on this conference also on you know, design about the mythology and you know, one a little bit with you know that kind of problem is it's very much of a service design uh, problem mm-hmm. maybe you exist design you know how did you, um, you know how did you use the design background in order to solve this banking problem okay. what, so you had some contributions to you know solving this problem right i'm, I'm wondering about yes. like how specifically it you know plays into the interesting question so so fundamentally like i said between my co-founder and me we had like we had a bind of full of ideas back in the day i'm i'm telling you we had ideas of food delivery i mean if i tell now people will say that i'm just bragging but we had ideas about because india gives you scale mm-hmm. can we build a service for food delivery can we have better systems where people can book tickets so a lot of ideas a lot of them got killed some of them are billion dollar ideas today <laughs> billion dollar companies today and how did i apply design i think design is the only thing i knew and back in the day in 2006 and 2007 i mean at least in this part of the world terms like service design and process design didn't exist what we brought to the table is we found a dire need so our simple hypothesis was food shelter clothing basically basically your mass loss hierarchy of needs and in today's day and age money is an integral part of anybody's life i mean if somebody is saying i don't care about money i think they are lying so we said money resonates very closely to the human psyche and people wouldn't want to lose money and then there was this big outburst and big big you know fear factor looming about identity theft and all that so all of them doubted so first principles of design how did we apply design is this a problem that is worth solving because in, if you really look at the hypothesis of service design it is not about solving a problem it is solving the about solving the right problem and how do you actually get to know that that's the right problem that is again design techniques right you do your research you ask the right questions and then you you frame the right you frame and you reframe and you fortify the problem statement that you want i think somehow luckily or otherwise even without knowing other domains or terms we figured out that this is a borderline wicket problem to solve then the standard techniques apply spoke to people people like you and me who you know who have credit cards debit cards who do online banking and then we spoke to people friends and family networks really helped spoke to a lot of people mm-hmm. right from the banks you know people who run banks like the leadership of banks we were lucky to have some networks where we had audiences and some of the banks actually told us if you build this we will buy it out unfortunately they didn't <laughs> but that's okay i think in retrospect two people company we did research we did primary research yes we were always on the road talking to bank talking to people spending time in malls it was fantastic in retrospect unbelievable level of ethnographic studies in situ studies then coming back reflecting no post it nothing right you basically recast you write make notes and then you actually start playing it on your drive back on your flight back intense maybe the other thing that we learned to listening to the interviews quite often to reflect ah, on talk to people time. yeah because just two people we didn't we didn't use certain methodologies that today are like second nature yeah. right workshops and all that there was but net net we figured out we distilled we were on the right path and in retrospect now if i see i think it can be a three step five step process that people talk about most of them talk about i think we somehow applied all of those without even knowing that that's the right way yeah now you can correlate back and weave a story out of it but i think having so basically it was design and tech probably you know it was design led we built a bank called money honey bank mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And people used to be shocked when we used to show the demo. We used mm-hmm. to go with card swiping machines, ATM simulators and all of that. So basically, we used to go with this huge suitcase for demos. Mm-hmm. And people used to be like flabbergasted. Like these guys are sitting on something else. So I think design really helped qualify the problem because otherwise we could have simply been a tech company just writing some piece of code and most of the people wouldn't have got it. Mm-hmm. And because this is banking and enterprise. So mm-hmm. I think design really helped. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. So, <laughs> so, so what's, what's super interesting is you were mentioning you know, if designers want to you know, change the world, you said you need to teach a fish how to fly. Right. Yes. Can you can you expand on that? I think well, uh, okay. Don't don't hold me. Uh, resp- I mean, I, that just that was just the analogy. That I, I just wanted yeah, yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, I get uh, the point. <laughs> but I think there's a lot in there. If yes, you, if yes. You, if you unpack I know. it. Since a lot of people are going to listen to us, they shouldn't think that we just are throwing some analogies. Yes, what I meant was connecting the dots. We always, we designers always say, right, outside and in, inside out, connecting the dots and whatnot. They sound very funky to a non-designer. But you and me, being practitioners, we know it's not as easy as, easy as connecting the dots because more often than not. When you get into service level problems, service design problems, there aren't even dots to connect. <laughs> so what do you connect, right? So what I meant was, I always classify problems as two things. Impossible, improbable. If it is Im- mm-hmm. Yeah, in life. Can you defeat death? Impossible. Can you extend your life today? We all know. It's improbable, but people are trying. There are certain things you cannot change. It goes against the laws of nature. So park it. And then the rest is probably up for grabs. You can solve it. So, how do you teach a fish to fly? Uh, by the way, there are fishes that do fly. I know I, I know that you know, but yeah, they don't do a transcontinental flight. But what I meant was, there are a lot of things that a designer should feel he or she is lucky because we get to work on multiple domains. Not many people get that opportunity in life. We don't realize that. What that means means you need to learn to unlearn and relearn, which most of us don't do. Mm-hmm. We think our life is as good as tools, mm-hmm. some mastery on tools. And but in today's day and age, you know, I know that every six months something changes, mm-hmm. right? You need to basically keep an empty mind, yeah. at least some empty space in your mind where you know that I need to unhook. That's very difficult. All of us have gone through that. That's that's the analogy of, you know, you, you teach a fish to fly. Mm-hmm. What is considered as impossible, it's not impossible, it's improbable. It is a function of the efforts that you put in, right? So what do I mean by that? You may be a great... Let's take your example. Now you are with you are with BMW, right? I mean, it, it's synonymous with automobile, German precision, and all of that. Tomorrow, can you actually lift and shift and get into some, say, hell, you know, some things as complex and as subtle as you know neurosurgery? Hell, yes, you can because if you apply first principles, you can. But you learned that that you know I could equally swim in the oceans and equally fly elsewhere. It takes time. It's organic. Mm-hmm. First principles, again, as designers, I think we should have the humility to learn and unlearn. Because yeah, this I know it all doesn't help. Mm-hmm. Frankly, I'm no saint. There was, a, there was a point in time in my life where, you know, after the first three, four exits, I mean, you know, you get an extra chip on your shoulder. Literally, your horns start growing because you're a great designer. You're a product designer. People see what you build. That's why your company gets bought and sold. But I think you need to step back. And think that you're only as good as your last project, but the whole world is waiting for the next thing, right? Mm-hmm. Humility, willingness to learn, and the propensity to go and ask people. Humility doesn't mean just I'm humble and I won't even ask anything. And the last important thing is, if you don't know, you don't know. Feel free to claim that you don't know. Be proud about the fact you don't know. And also have the faith that there is somebody who knows, right? Mm-hmm. Go and ask. Mm-hmm. Just ask. There are people willing to help. Mm-hmm. So at least for me, it has been magical. Every mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. I had to learn something, either I get connected, maybe synchronicity at work, I get connected to the right people, 
I end up reading a, a nice article that takes me to a nice book and, you know, be prepared to learn every single day mm-hmm. is, is all I could tell. Yeah, amazing. That's super interesting. I wonder, I would like to expand on that a little bit and, you know, I was wondering, you know, like, you know, I think it's in the same, in the same area. What are the you know, unique skills, you know? I mean, you were touching on the on the unlearning aspect. This is probably one uh, important skill. But what are other skills designers need mm-hmm. in order to be involved in yes. entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. um, you know, starting out ventures okay. like you did? I'm sure there are other topics you see, uh, you know, important. Yeah, like I touched upon, like 15, I mean, one of your previous questions, right? You are not a function of the tools that you know. And you're not a function of just that verticalization that you know. I, I'm an industrial designer. I'm a service designer. Somewhere it all melts and becomes a horizontal where you are a designer. Mm-hmm. And what does designer mean to me after all of these years in the industry is it's just a label that I've given myself or that's how the world recognizes me. But what I actually do is I try to solve problems every day and I try to solve problems that make an impact to humans and to businesses. Right. It has to, has to make sense for both. Uh Apart from the normal, I I, I, call, I can bucket this as must-have skills. It's like our tools, our understanding, first yeah. principles, philosophies. Mm-hmm. And then there are some adjacent skills, right? One of the first things is, forget entrepreneurship. Designers, I always insist, should understand this whole notion of business. It really, really, really helps to have a perspective or an inside view of how businesses operate. A business is a huge engine, right? You're just a cog in the wheel or a spoke in, you know, the hub is the business. You're just a spoke probably. There are multiple spokes that kick in because otherwise everything that you like like we were talking offline everything that you do has to have an impact all right otherwise it's art mm-hmm. like i was telling people yesterday somebody said you know how how is design this way how can i make design how can i tell that my design is done so my answer to this person was design never gets done and if at all it gets done it's art you frame it you keep it with yourself or you sell it mm-hmm. but design is Always in a constant state of motion. Mm-hmm. So apart from the must-have skills, nice-to-have skills, which probably at some point in time becomes must-have skills, learning and unlearning because you should you should you should be willing to get to the deep end of the tunnel and you know try to understand each domain that you're solving for. Mm-hmm. You cannot solve you cannot apply design you know design as a business solving lever if you don't understand what's that domain. For example, in design, it we work across sectors: oil and gas, mm-hmm. aerospace, mm-hmm. urban transportation automotive you name the things we pretty much have worked does all of the designers the 550 of us across the globe do we have skills across the board absolutely no but do we have specific skills past life experiences absolutely yes but what keeps us thriving that hunger to learn that hunger to ask questions and then you know then apply things apply the must have skills that you have that's what the customer pays you for so does that answer your question or yeah, yeah absolutely okay. so yeah. so let me summarize must have skills tool sets systems methodologies a thorough understanding of first principles and basics is a necessary necessary thing then the applied areas and absolute flexibility to learn things and curiosity mm-hmm. would you advise people to want who want to get you know, have an impact in that space to you know do an mba at some point okay or would you um, say slowing by doing so okay so i would fall under the latter bucket because i i have frankly i i have i have enrolled myself for way too many uh, courses that i've lost count of mm-hmm. and i jumped from something to something and probably you know i never pursued anything very seriously probably if i had spent the time and you know i could have had a lot of you know a few if not multiple extra qualifications if you will but speaking for myself i think it helps it is a door opener 
and at the same time it, it, in the continuum either you have supreme skills wherein your academics become kind of negligible mm-hmm. or you do an mba i think in today's day and age because information is available you, you can you can actually sit at mm-hmm. your couch and still access an mba course from the top you know universities today so if you have the passion if you have the wherewithal and if you have a plan so it's one thing to have an mba it's another thing about why why do you want an mba so mm-hmm. that's the most profound thing i know of a lot of people who have done amazing design have gone to b school and then it helps from a mm-hmm. from a corporate structure and all of that it's it's not going to bring you down it's it's not a loss but you it's a significant investment in terms of your time your mm-hmm. money and applied areas right so now now the academia world has come up with design management in in my mind that's as good as mba mba probably yes because some of the smarter ones not smarter ones some of the curious ones basically say that to them i can learn about business and finance and balance sheet and all of this maybe in an mba course some of them think that way so some of them go and pursue it i mean like i said nothing wrong in it but yeah it doesn't stop your growth just because it's not going to happen that bmw tomorrow will not make you a chief design officer because you don't have an mba mm-hmm. so i'm just using you as an example yeah, yeah. but it helps any so i think any learning helps be it formal education or informal self learning things education is education it helps so i'm just going to keep it open because from my end like i said i i dabbled into anthropology i did the psychology but i never completed the courses i mean mm-hmm. i never wrote the exam exam mm-hmm. types but mm-hmm. yeah but i learned what i learned and i'm applying it so mm-hmm. we were touching earlier on saying you know design can either impact humans or business right you know can you maybe unpack this a little bit you know what is the impact you know designers can have if they apply you know design in a certain way Okay. So if you re- if you really look at the growth of design as an industry right i mean globally on a global scale i mean design has been there industrial revolution was all about design right from nothing you know you started the printing press most of the most of most of history actually attributes to this whole thing on the you know gutenberg press phenomenal thing I and mean, people to transition from an age where a single book used to take what 2 to 3 years because it was handwritten to a machine that prints that spits out like 200 books a day mm-hmm. that was unbelievable stuff right that's design again right we have ancient architecture across the globe we have pyramids we have you know if you look at india we have like amazing all of that is design right it is context in which you see it life is all about context i keep telling this to the extent of boring people to death context 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 right so yeah then you move a lot of things happened in the world and then people started seeing that okay design becomes very very critical design becomes very very imperative right then there was the age of aesthetics right can i make it funkier can i make it why wh- why do you think people people put a premium on a bmw as opposed to a non bmw i mean you know the answer it's got finesse it's got that brand promise it's got a lot of things for which people are willing to pay a premium many are tangible things a lot many things are intangible things but at the heart of all of that perceived notions tangible or intangible is actually design mm-hmm. right so if you move up the continuum yeah it's it's not cosmetics alone it's not your probable you know lipstick on the pig but now i think with technology disrupting you know people's lifestyles changing economic strata of the i mean i mean we don't have as many poor people that you had 10 years back in the whole and people are going up growing mm-hmm. now aesthetics the lipstick is a default everybody expects the lipstick anyways it is about functionality mm-hmm. it's about ease of use again usability mm-hmm. it's about is it making a change a small change in my life day to day right that is what design is to me it's not just the look feel and all there's always this debate look form follows function function follows form 
sooner or later we are going to get into a formless functionless world where it's it has to be you know it's basically voice it does it have a form it has but it has an auditory thing it's it's a very intangible thing mm-hmm. i think uh, design is very critical every other thing the, the beauty about service design is that right everything i mean we are sitting here there is a service that notel is provided in terms of space mm-hmm. space as a service we are sitting in this place mm-hmm. we paid for it we are talking about a lot of funky stuff if you really scratch the surface there is some thought process into this process and this design so i did not say it has to impact business or humans i said and and it's not one of the other if it impacts humans it gets you the scale and if a business actually solves for that scale it is a viable business i mean that's that's as simple as mba 101 for me i may be absolutely wrong but i have distilled it that, to that what is the business it basically go, is in the business of making money by solving a problem Mm-hmm. today that whole strat of where you solve the problem has changed right how can i make life better how can i make commute better how can i make my you know eating better how can i make my sleeping better things are getting very distilled as you know point mm-hmm. solutions that you can solve mm-hmm. at the heart of everything is design mm-hmm. things succeed or things fail because of good or bad design it's mm-hmm. as sim- it's two sides of the same coin mm-hmm. super interesting <laughs> what is you know uh, what are some of the you know challenges and topics you're really excited about when it comes to your control at design team you're working in all kind of domains maybe you can uh, you know talk a little bit about your, your role there and some of the things you are excited about in terms of domains you're working on yeah multi first thing because because we are designer we we you know our our parent i mean we are part of wipro yeah. the whole world knows wipro right mm. about 180000 people we are kind of a mini nation very diverse many nationalities we are like a small country in ourselves a very successful one at that and we are a we are a 8 and a half 9 billion dollar company and it's it's a huge enterprise we were like we acquired us for what we bring to the table right and and we still have been given the liberty of running as designer because people know what designer it is so that itself is a great win number one your identity is still intact number two Uh, when you work for a very large scale organization like like wipro anything in, in terms of volumes you have nice good things you have bad things you have ugly things it's not a wipro specific thing but i think my learning has been that it is very 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 hard to actually make people understand the strategic value of design unless and until they are willing to know about it or they are aware of it because design means too many things to you know too many people like if 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 you are a sales guy if you are a technology guy you are only looking at life from your lens mm-hmm. how can i sell more the engineering guy probably looks at it as how can i quickly build this and throw it out deliver and at the heart of it we have been a hardcore technology firm for like 20 25 years right it's like in technology anything can be built chances are we process built it but this whole transformational shift that is happening across the globe is basically now people are realizing that design is the key all things have become design led it's basically life is going to full circle again so the challenges in wipro is like it is like i said it's a multi billion dollar company having customers across the globe and then you know there are certain nuances that you need to be aware of and and the beauty is like you asked a question right you work on so many techn- you know uh, domains yes we are so lucky to actually sit in a place and have a first hand you know access to like in the morning you may be talking to a prospect who comes from an oil and gas company and in the evening you may be talking to a retailer who's trying to solve another problem mm-hmm. that's the beauty of it because we, there is no domain that wipro doesn't work with so we get door openers we get to talk to people that's the great thing the not so great thing in a way is that the expectations are very high like you are a strategic design house you better solve my problem and and then 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 
when the rubber hits the road, that's where the disconnect happens. Mm-hmm. Your businesses basically say, simple example, more often than not, uh, design it is very, 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 you know, religious, if I were to use the word about, you know, using research, be it secondary, be it primary. And, and I think most of us also believe in that. I mean, you can't solve for it unless and until you know what you're solving for. But ground realities are different. If you talk, if you talk to a guy, I, I've seen this across my life, and I'm seeing it again. When you talk to a CEO or a founding member of a great company and an upcoming company, and say, you know what, great problem to solve. Super happy to get engaged with you. Forget the commercials. You know, we'll shake hands. Let's begin and all of that. No, the customer says, why do you want to do research? They're like, everything that we do, out of everything that we do, starts with research. No. And what are you going to do? We're going to fan out. We're going to talk to people. Your geography. We do a lot of stuff. We analyze. We synthesize, and then we come back to you. Wait. I'm not. I'm, I'm not dead against it, but. If you want to talk to people, you want to talk to experts, talk to me. I am the expert. This is my baby. I've been running this company for 12 years. I have I have stories that can fill an Encyclopedia Britannica. I mean, nobody else can tell my story in a better way than me. It's very, very hard for people to actually convince that you are you. Fine, I will talk to you, but you are not your customer who's going to pay that $1, which is going to come to your revenue sheet, right? We also have, when we say user experience, more often than not, I, I see this across the board. We start designing according to our whims and fancies. And, and then, the, you know, the quote that I generally tell people is, you are not the user. Have you spoken to a user? Or have you tried to emulate and simulate? So one of the complexities is, or when we deal with certain verticals, like for example, again, let's say we are, we are working with the aviation team in our broader organization. There are so-called experts who come and say, no, no, it won't work this way. So it becomes a constraint. So, Yeah. But otherwise, the learning has been, mm-hmm. it, it is great. It is great when you are part of a great, I mean, you are part of, like like I keep saying, we are 550 people in a 180,000 people organization. So you do the math. We may be just a dot on that universe, mm-hmm. but but we are impactful enough. So, I mean, we have added significantly to the way we produce business, the way we produce transforming other people and the way we are transforming ourselves. So mm-hmm. it has its own complexities, but I I always look at them as design problems that could be solved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, for example, how do you deal with a certain vertical? Like, you're the aerospace guy. Either we lock horns and, you know, it becomes an emotional trainer for both, one-upmanship, or we meet at the middle ground and say, hey, you're the aviation expert. I'm, ne- I never int- I'm never going to be one, but I'm the design expert. Mm-hmm. So let's work together and do what is best for the customer. I think we are learning a lot of things. Designers also learn humility. How do you walk in their other shoes? How do you figure out how people look at their lens and all that? So it has been profound, and that's what brings me to work every single day. The other thing is I get, I have this fantastic opportunity to actually run desktops. On Sunday or someone else was talking to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he basically, I think in my mind, this whole DevOps thing, he was courtesy him, right? He started talking about DevOps is as important as anything else, right? Mm-hmm. You run a studio, you figure out a lot of nuts and bolts mm-hmm. and you have to be at the top of your game. So that's something that I'm actually doing it day in and day out. I, 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 I take care of delivery for the studio. Mm-hmm. Anything goes wrong in terms of final delivery, it's 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 my neck on the, on the line. So... It's mm-hmm. it's a very responsible, very you know, high visibility job, and I think that's what makes me thrive. And I have a fantastic team, mm-hmm. and you know, very supportive functions because we are part of an organization called Wipro Digital, which itself is like a two billion dollar unit, uh, you know, Wipro. And mm-hmm. yeah, comp- I mean, complexities aside, pluses and minuses aside, it's 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 exciting time. So mm-hmm. it's not a job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you 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 located in Bangalore, right? And yes. then, but you also work with other studios, right? Yes, uh, in the, in Asia. So, which are the other studios? So, so 
across. So, so the way we work is each studio is responsible for a certain geography. Like, mm-hmm. like, like example, if you take North America, we have a studio in San Francisco, we have a studio in New York. Mm-hmm. Anything that happens in that geography typically is run by them. Mm-hmm. So if you look at design at India, it's it's not India alone, right? We we are responsible for the entire Eastern Hemisphere, barring Japan, simply because we have a studio in Japan, barring Australia and New Zealand because we have a setup in Australia that mm-hmm. takes care of New Zealand as a geo. That's still a lot. Entire ASEAN is for us to mm-hmm. operate on. However, there are times when other studios might have signed up with other customers who might have some sliver of work that happens in our geo. As I speak, we've had designers work in, in the UK on customer projects. We've had designers actually work out of the Tokyo studio. So we we mass collaborate. On a need basis, on an expertise basis, people come here and people go there. Mm-hmm. Maybe as the, the last question, because we, we have to wrap it up in terms of uh, time. No, we're here at UX India, right? So, and you know, you have your roots in, in India. So what excites you about design in, in India? I mean, there's, a, there's been a lot of evolution recently. So. Yes, bunch of things. Now design is slowly becoming mainstream in India as a viable profession, very respectable position. And a lot of people, a lot of people want to actually pick up design as a career path. Mm-hmm. My generation probably, we, either you're an engineer or a doctor. Mm-hmm. If this, then that, or if that, then this, otherwise nothing happens. But I think now, yeah, I mean, a lot of design schools, a lot of people actually pursuing academics in design schools. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, we didn't have opportunities. We didn't have schools. So I think India gives you a scale. India gives you a scale, you know, like one sixth of the world populace is in India, right? So if you can get things right in India, you can pretty much get things right anywhere. And India is unique in its own terms because we are a, we are a country with multiple countries. If you use the analogy, we have like thousand odd languages, we have different cultures, different people. That itself is a challenge. How do you horizontalize a lot of common problems, right? Opportunity areas are great. We we have one of the largest agrarian economy mm-hmm. and the agri-tech space is actually changing big time. A lot of interventions could happen there, like smart devices, smart information, making a farmer smart. I'm just giving examples. Retail. I mean, the kind of people that you have, consumption model you have, or place you have, I think no other country has. The sheer purse size, whether people buy it or not is different. Retail is very ripe for the picking. Consumer goods are very ripe. So I think opportunity spaces are immense in India and, and we are like, we are one of the fastest growing GDPs or whatever it is. But yes, we, we are the next big thing. So you need to ride the wave and I think design is at the heart of all. It's like the tip of the spear, if you will. Mm-hmm. I think design can and will impact. But yeah, it's a lot of grunt work. It's a lot of, you know, it's not, it's not easy come, easy go. Mm-hmm. So I think great times ahead. So let's see how it pans out. So yeah, exciting times. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, thank you so much for, for sharing all the insights. It's been amazing. It's been a pleasure. So super happy and thank you. Thank you. That was the episode. If you want to give us feedback on the podcast, have something to contribute to the next episode, or just want to get in touch, feel free to connect with us either on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram messages, or simply via the designdrives.org website. We love to hear from you.